Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. But there's another sound that we're going to talk about today, and it's the next piece. It's the next stone that we're getting into. It's, a, it's an idea that we have to have as a foundation of our faith. Otherwise, our faith actually stumbles. And it is the concept of victory. It's the concept of victory. And so what we have right now is a, a generalized, you know, understanding that people have kind of around the world that people of faith kind of just need a little something extra to get them through. And so, you know, if that's, if that's what you need, if that brings you some level of peace or whatever, good for you, you do that. No, my faith says that I'm on the winning side. It says that there's something bigger that's happening that I need to be part of, and I refuse to live under the shoe of the enemy when he belongs under my feet, when there's something that has to be shifted. And so it's actually a core belief of our faith. But here's the reality, is that our current situation, and you know, whoever, whoever you are, whatever your life situation is right now, I would bet that the last few weeks you have felt maybe less than super victorious. And there is, a, there is a pressure that has been released upon the earth that is just, it's kind of like a nonstop squeeze. And when you just get through one thing, something else happens, and then something else happens, and then something else happens. And there's so many people who I know, warriors in the faith, who have just like over time, it's like you can only pick yourself back up so many times and then you start to just go, maybe I should just stay down. Like, you know, have you ever like watched those movies when there's like a battle and you're just like, stay down, buddy. They'll stop hitting you. Like stay, it kind of can feel like that sometimes. And there's just this squeeze. And, and this week we've had, you know, a lot of people in the house that have had losses, that have been going through really hard times, that are dealing with financial things, dealing with death, dealing with, um, you know, a lot of just pressured up situations. And even like for me and, and within the staff, you know, we're, we're like, okay, God, we, we need a breakthrough. We need something to shift because it's, it, it can get hard. It can feel heavy. And what we really notice is when, you know, you start to find that there's more and more and more people staying down. And just going like, it's, you know what, if I can just get through. I'm, all, all I'm looking for at this point is just to survive. But you are called for more than survival. You are called to be victorious. And so we're going to lean into that today. And, and where it kind of, um, God's been stirring up my heart. Two weeks ago, we were in staff prayer. And I heard the Lord say, literally, like not audible voice, but I heard it in my spirit so loud. And he said, I am restoring the roar. I am restoring the roar. And, uh, and uh, man, I've been meditating on that for a couple of weeks. A roar is a different sound than a squeak for help. You know, it's a roar has something to it. And so, you know, I've, I've spent an unacceptable amount of time watching um, YouTube videos of lions roaring. Um, <laughs> just because it's interesting and, you know, but you kind of see them. It's, 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 um, I haven't got to see a lion roar in the wild before in a zoo. I don't think that counts, but you know, you kind of see them and they, they posture themselves and it just starts like from deep inside and they're like, you know, and it's, see, watch me fake it for you. (laughs) (laughs) But you can see their chest start to move and their head starts to move. 
and they kind of posture themselves, and that gets a little bit bigger. Before you know it, out comes what we know as the roar. It starts with a something on the inside that begins to shake, and about the time that roar is released, everything else stands there still, paralyzed in fear. There's a sound that comes out, and the enemy loves to use that sound against us, and we've been listening to a from him for a long time, and it is about time to shut his mouth. I am sick of the of the enemy while he is walking around roaring, seeking whom he may devour. He is not devouring God's kids. This is not the time for that. And so we have to release a counter roar. And there is a roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah that sounds louder and stronger and more ferocious than anything the enemy has to offer. But we have to stir it up. We have to decide it. We have to step into it. And so we've got this roar that is there that's a, that's a call that God's putting on our hearts. And the definition of a roar is a full, deep, prolonged cry. A full, deep, prolonged cry. Great in intensity. There's a rumble that has to be released. And I'm telling you, I, I, this is not a... This is not a pick on the church in any way. I pray that you are encouraged in the same way that I am being encouraged in the Lord right now. That it is time for the church to rally. We have to get together. We have to not just ask God for some assistance. Because we're really under it, Lord. If you could just... We need to shake heaven. We need to push it. The gates of hell will not prevail against a church that is releasing the word of the Lord. The, The gates of hell will not prevail as the kingdom of God advances. We have to actually decide to advance. And I believe it's time for us to to not be okay with some of the things that are squeezing down on us. And one of the things that I think is so obvious is whatever, whatever your viewpoint is on many of the current situations, it is very obvious that there is a spirit of division that has been released upon the earth and particularly within the church. And why would that be? See, Acts 2 talks about a group of people that were together in one accord, and the roar of heaven started. The roar of heaven started. There was a move of the Spirit that came when people dwelt together in unity. And there is something in this moment where we have to come together. When we hear that somebody's under it, somebody's been attacked, somebody's dealing with this, we don't just go, oh, yeah, I'll pray for you. That's really sad. And Man, that makes me scared now, too. And boy, this is really hard. There's just a lot of hard things. No! You know what? If you're too weak to fight right now, I will fight with you. I will fight for you. I will stand there and let's roar. Let's get in the face of the enemy and tell him who our God is. And I believe God is doing that right now. He is awakening the roar. There is a sound. There is a move that's supposed to happen. And it isn't always happy. You know, usually the roar is released through some sort of pain. It comes through some sort of pressure. It comes through some sort of squeeze. We don't cry out to God until we need him. We don't cry out and and contend for one another until we actually get tired of it, until we get tired of the fight. And the squeeze, this, this sound, has come out all through history. And we can read back in the Bible, we read about, you know, we, we love the story of Samuel being born and how Hannah, you know, 
released this prophet of God upon the earth. And he was, he was God's uh, voice upon the earth for people to hear what God was thinking and saying and doing and intending. But Hannah got to the point where she was just over being barren. She just couldn't, couldn't do it anymore. And she didn't whine to her husband. She didn't whine to the other wife that was in the, pic, in the picture. She didn't go and you know, sit around and complain with her girlfriends. She got to the altar of God and she got on her face and there was something that came out on the inside of her and it wasn't even loud. In fact, her lips were moving, but it was like a silent cry, a silent roar that shook heaven. And something was released in that moment. And it's so common for that to happen. It's so common, according to the word, to see places where there was a major move of God released when somebody released the sound. And God says when he released uh, Egypt, when he sent Moses to come and get Israel out of Egypt, he said, your cry has come to my ears. It had to get bad enough that their cry came to his ears, that people decided God is our only way out. Even Jesus on the cross, there was a cry. It says that he pushed himself up and he cried out, it is finished. And he released something. He released a roar that shook things. There is a time when even if it's coming through hard times, there's a squeeze upon your life. There's a pressure upon your life. It is time to cry out. It is time to get aggressive. It is time. No, I'm not talking about just being in turmoil all the time. I'm saying there's something on the inside of us. And I bet every person in this room feels it. You feel like you could blow at any minute. It's for a purpose. And it needs to be directed. It needs to come out of victory. So when we're going through our, um, our uh, foundations class and the stuff that Pastor George has been teaching, the, the week that he covered last week on prayer, the week following it is on victory. And it actually is talking about the victory that we have over temptation, over sin. It gives specific scripture verses like 1 Corinthians 10, 13. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. It's, it's a basic idea of victory. It's one of the ways that we can most quickly apply it because we're all faced with temptation. And so when we apply victory to temptation and we experience, wow, God did give me a way of escape. He did make a, a plan for me. He did make room for me. And I experienced that victory. That's not the end of the story. It's meant to give us an appetite for what other places should I win? That's just the starting point. That's just a beginning space. James 4, 7, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Okay, I can deal with that on my up-close personal cravings, on the sin issues of my life that I'm looking for a way of escape on, the temptation issues that I'm facing. I can submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Now I apply it to the rest of my life. And I believe this is one of the key things that we have to lay hold of in our own lives, teach our children, model in our families, live out in public. It's a core thing that I am not less than because I'm a Christian. I actually have moved into a place of victory that should change my life. It should change how I approach everything. I am not a victim. Some just need to erase that phrase from your vocabulary period. 
This, this kind of victory, it's not about something that we do or something that we earn. It's about a position that we have. A position that we have. It's a position that is seated together with Christ in heavenly places. A position of, I am above. I, uh, not above people, but I am above the, the, the attacks of this life. I'm above the things that are, are contrary to the nature of God. I can be in a place of victory, even in the midst of a hard time. It's the, it's the singing in the valley. It's the, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. I know that it might look bad right now, but I know God's on the throne. It might look bad right now, but I know God's got me. It might look bad, but I know where I'm headed. I know, you know, the apostle Paul said stuff like to live as Christ, to die is gain. I'm good. What is that? That is a victory mentality. I'm not talking about our church victory, right? You're getting that. It's a victorious mentality of a believer. It's somebody who knows no matter what, death has lost its sting. There is nothing, nothing that has a hold over me anymore. I get to be in that place. And so we want to understand that position today. We're going to walk through this in a couple ways, and I'm praying that your roar is going to get restored today that your roar is getting restored those who even you know you woke up this week and you rolled over and you're like oh dear Jesus still here huh okay this is for you today for those who have like every time you see a flash of light you're like oh let it be the rapture this is for you today as long as you're here you've got an assignment so let's do it in victory right and I mean honestly we get to have a hope and a future that we can live out of so it's possible even in the midst of hard things and, and honestly the Lord just leaves us in a place where the mountains the valleys he walks us through when we stay in him, we can be victorious all the time. So number one, here's your lightning bolt point. We are victorious. We are victorious. This is the thing. So I'm going to give you a ton of scripture. And the idea, we're not going to spend a, t a lot of time digging it all out. I want you to meditate on this. Now, you need to be concerned. Like Pastor George said, if, if I say anything that's not in the word, you know, throw it out on the way out. That's what he said. This is the truth. If you're, if you're hearing somebody preaching a message on like three words that are taken out of context from the middle of nowhere, maybe don't build your life on it. But I want to show you enough scriptures that you know this is the truth. If it's layered upon layer upon layer upon layer, it is something you can take to the bank. It is something you should build your life on. It is a stone that should be part of your family altar. And victory is one of them. 2 Corinthians 2.14 is one of them. It says, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And the passage, the context about this, he's talking, the Apostle Paul's talking about the direction of his life, the things that they're doing. He's talking about calling. And he says, praise be to God who always leads us in triumph. There's, it's not even a sometimes, maybe, hopefully. It's like if I'm trusting God with my calling, with my life, with the directionality of my life, he will lead me in triumph. He will lead me in a place of victory. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And this passage is talking about sin and death, and it's talking about how death has been conquered by Jesus. Praise be to God who gives us the victory. It means that we actually have to take it. If something is being given to us, we have to take it. But when we take it, we have it. It means if we die, we have victory. Death loses its sting. Romans 8 35 and 37. And Romans 8, if you want to just spend some time meditating on victory, Romans 8, the chapter is every verse matters. But verse 35 and 37, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Verse 37, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. It's not saying that, man, everything's going to be perfect. You know Jesus, so now your life is just going to be golden every single day. It says nothing is separating me from the love of Christ. I actually, if I have the love of God in me and I can access him, it's enough. It's everything. And I actually am I'm experiencing being more than a conqueror. I actually am living in a place of the kind of satisfaction that doesn't really matter what you do to me, doesn't really matter what circumstances are, doesn't really matter how things flop around in my life. I am more than a conqueror. I mean, I know that's weird to say that, just, you know, to Walker, how are you doing today? I am more than a conqueror. But you know what? Maybe we need to get weird. Maybe we need to say some stuff like that. I am more than a conqueror. My life might just look like junk right now, but I'm more than a conqueror. I am victorious in Christ. I am seated above in heavenly places. I actually have been given the triumph to walk in that Jesus paid for. Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can be against us? That's a good verse. It doesn't say that your life is going to be perfect. It doesn't say that everything's going to be flawless and happy and and just bubbly nice all the time. It's just saying, if God's for me, doesn't really matter what's against me. It's enough. As believers in Jesus Christ, we have to get to the place where on the inside of us, that is the case. That is the truth. And I really believe that God is giving us this window of time to crush some of this North American phony baloney Christianity that is just looking for everything to be happy, bubbly, and perfect. And he's bringing us to a place where we are on our knees before the living God saying, holy, holy, holy. And it's a real kind of faith. That's a good thing. The roar comes out of that. It's the kind of thing that, you know, what, what, caused people throughout, you know, hundreds of years ago to to be okay, maybe not feeling happy about it, to be okay to be burned at the stake, stoned, the apostle Paul beaten, whipped, shipwrecked. What caused people to hold their faith in the midst of those kind of sufferings? Real faith, real hope, an internal victory that nothing and nobody can steal. And it creates a different kind of person. It creates a different uh, mentality. And there's a, there's a concept called a winning mindset. And uh, if you study a winning mindset at all, it's the kind of thing that people will um, just sell you on hiring a life coach so that you can develop a winning mindset. 
And a winning mindset is essentially a good thing. It's, a, it's what God has given us in his word. But it's the idea that you actually get to set the boundaries of your life. And the, the study of psychology breaking down the fact that you actually, your mindset sets your own limits. What you say, that's as far as I can go, then that'll be as far as you can go. That's as much as I can take, that'll be as much as you can take. And so they, they recommend if you are looking for a winning mindset, you, you want more out of life than you seem to be able to get, then you need to hire somebody or spend time with somebody or create a space in your life where you're repeating things, you're studying things, you're creating an understanding of more. You're teaching your mind to expect more, to have a winning mindset. So what's interesting about this is that it's the very same thing that the word tells us to do, to set our mind on things above, not on things of the earth, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, that we actually have the mind of Christ. So we spend time in scriptures like these, digging out the truth, so that even though prior to this, my experience may not have been very winning, it can change because the truth is I have these things. I am this person that God has provided this for me. Romans 8, 18 says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the eternal glory, which shall be revealed in us. He says in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18, it's a lot of scripture, right? Note takers, keep up. See, this is the washing of the water of the word, though. That's why we do a lot of scripture. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. What? What do you mean? Didn't Pastor Charlotte just say it's going to be perfect? Nope, not perfect. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Notice that this momentary business is being outweighed by the eternal thing that's happening on the inside. Well, we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. In order for us to have the victory understanding, the victory mindset, the victory stone positioned in our lives, we have to understand that this is a temporary experience. Praise God. Right? Praise God. This is a limited time frame. You know, when the word talks about the creation is longing for the revealing of sons of, and daughters of God, it's because the earth has been subjected for a limited time to the fallout of sin to the broken thank god there is a timeline on it there is an end to it but while we are in this temporary situation the way we experience god develops in us the stuff that is eternal in nature the stuff that really matters the stuff that is real the stuff that god has intended for us to lay hold of one more big scripture here ephesians 6 now this one you should know 11 to 13 Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. So when I'm actively aware of the victory, I am suddenly prepared to enforce it. And sometimes you don't know until you know. Sometimes you don't realize this is not okay. It's not okay for my mind to be attacked like this. It's not okay for me to be depressed like this. It's not okay for me to be worn down like this. It's not okay for me to be falling all the time. It's not uh, until you know. And when you know, and there's a fight comes up on the inside, and you begin to stand not just for yourself, but for your family, for your children, for those around you. There begins to be something that comes up on the inside, and we enforce it. Now, this is, again, it's the eternal side of things. It's the spiritual battle that's being active in the the natural realm. So we have to keep our eyes on that place. There is a spiritual battle at play here. Right now, I mean, there are so many things going on. We we truly, um, as believers in this nation, we should be on our faces over our nation. There are some things that have been promised in the next few months that our current government wants to make happen that are so wrong, so evil, And there's no way it's about a person. It is a spiritual battle. And there are forces beyond the natural that are pulling like puppet strings. And the people of God need to get loud. The people of God need to raise our voices before the Lord. We need to do what we need to do in the natural, but it is a spiritual battle. So we might not feel victorious, but it doesn't change the truth. And once we recognize it, we step into the winning side. So the second key thing here is that the victory is claimed through relationship. The victory is claimed through relationship. So when I say we might not know, and once we know, then we can enforce it, that comes through relationship. We really want to be in a place where we understand how God operates. We know what is his natural way of doing things. We know what is right in God's eyes, and then we can live that out. But that comes through relationship, and lazy Christianity will not get us there. If I only take what is spoon-fed to me and I never get in the word, I never get in prayer, I never go after him, I won't know. I might hope things will work a certain way, but I don't really know. And so it's the same thing as, you know, you've got your your four-by-four, whatever, you know, going out into the woods. You don't want to put yourself in a risky situation unless you know what your vehicle can handle. You know what this quad can do. You know where it can go. You know, whatever. I'm out... um, the other day with Walter, it's been a long time since you heard a Walter story. I've been taking Walter walking all summer long to places where he can go off leash and he just pees on everything and he's so happy. It's, you know, the best hour of his life. And, um, but now the trails are closing and so we got to come back in town where the people are, the other dogs. And it's like walking Satan. It's something, something else entirely. And, you know, so there's, there's all these other people out there with their well-behaved dogs and they're coming towards us and, you know, Walter's like straining at the leash and making weird sounds out of his throat and, you know, he looks 
rabid. He's not. He's just really excited and loves everybody and whatever. And so people are like, well, I, I think it's okay. My dog's friendly. And I'm like, I think mine is too. <laughs> Honestly, he hasn't been with any other dogs all summer. So I don't really know what he's going to do in this moment. And, and I realize that I need to take him to more places in controlled settings where I can experience him with other dogs. And then I'll feel more confident because they're like, you could just let him go. I'm like, can, can I? Not sure. Not sure I can get, I, I don't think I can do this. I need to know how he's going to behave. It's similar. God's way grander than Walter. But it's, I need to know how God acts, how he moves, what he says. And it comes from experiencing him in these up-close personal situations. It's, it's engaging him on the little things so that when the big things come, it's an automatic reaction that comes. It's, a, it's basically what we call, in natural terms, a muscle memory. And there's this interesting thing. Um, muscle memory is this you know, idea that if it's the wax on, wax off theory. But the idea, if you do something enough times, you just can do it without thinking about it. So the difference between when you first get your learner's license and you're paying attention to everything and down the road where you can drive from here to Valley View and forget how you got there because you're just lost in, right? Something happens where your brain actually starts to process differently. And the idea is that it's actually, it's not muscle memory in your actual, you know, muscles. It's that as your muscles do things on repeat, your brain creates a system that goes, next time we experience this, we'll know what to do. And it creates this network. So in the same way with the things of faith, the more we do it, the more we spend time in the word, the more we come to God first, the more we pray, the more we engage him. Our mind is being renewed and it's very quickly responding. It knows exactly where to go when something happens. That's the place that God wants us to get to. That's relationship. That's the invitation. So I want you to just flip with me if you've got your Bibles. 1 Samuel 17. It's the story of David and Goliath, which is one of the best ones. 1 Samuel 17, and this is one of those moments that we know David had this relationship with God. He understood how God operated. He understood the nature of God, and he had a relationship with the Lord that allowed him to experience things that others didn't. And in the story, from the very beginning of, of um, chapter 17, 1 Samuel, it says that the uh, Philistines gathered their armies together to battle. And they were gathered at Sukkoth, which belongs to Judah. And they encamped between Sukkoth and Ahazah, blah, bunch of stuff. Verse 2, and Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together. And they encamped in the valley of Elah. And they drew up in battle array against the Philistines. So here comes Israel. The Philistines are gathering on Israel's territory. And Israel gathers and we're going to go to war. We're, we got this. There's, there's people that want our land and they shouldn't have it. Most believers have that instinct whenever something bad goes on. We know we should fight. We should go to prayer about this. We, we know we need to pull on the promises of God. We know this. They come to fight. And it says that the, verse three, the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side of Israel. Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with the valley between them. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. 
And he had a bronze helmet on his head and he was armed with a coat of mail and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had a bronze armor on his legs and bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam and the iron spear had weighed 600 shekels, which apparently is 16 kilograms. It's pretty significant. And a shield bearer went before him. And he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel. And what's really interesting is the original translation, he stood and cried out, it means he stood and roared. He stood and roared out to the armies of Israel and said to them, why have you come out to, to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. And there's this interesting thing because there's this call to battle and the two armies come out each other and everybody's like, okay, yeah, we can go to war. I can fight another man. And then the champion comes out and he begins to roar and he's bigger than me. He's stronger than me. He's a more seasoned warrior than me. I, I, I can't do it. See, what happened before that, when they came out to battle, we are going to battle. Now there's one warrior and he's calling me to battle. He's calling somebody, some person. Well, it's not going to be me. Maybe you should go. I mean, you've had more experience than me. Maybe you're faster. Maybe he's big and he's slow. I don't know. I mean, you go. Like that. Suddenly, something happened that switched things and Israel couldn't engage, wouldn't engage. So he's standing there and he's yelling. The, uh, verse 8, then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? The servants of Saul is a fleshy description. He, he said, you are, you are the servants of Saul. You are the servants of your king. You are the servants of this kingdom. You are the servants of this nation. He called them and he pulled them into the natural realm. He pulled them into the fleshy realm. It goes on that when, when these things begin to happen, Saul gets scared. Verse 11, when Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. See, because it's the servants of Saul. Why does this matter? It matters because this went on for 40 days, wore them down. You people, you little people, you small people who are smaller than me, you're servants of Saul, don't you have any courage? Don't you have anything to fight with? Come on, get, not, everybody doesn't need to die, you do it. You get, and for 40 days, they just keep on listening to this. And they get more afraid and more afraid and more afraid, and they're hiding. And suddenly, in comes David. And it says that David was sent, he, just, he was just on food delivery. He wasn't even supposed to be fighting. He wasn't ready to fight, but he comes in and he, he hears this go on for the first time. He, he hadn't been listening to it for 40 days. He hears it and something else happens in him. Verse 23, it says uh, David's bringing the food and he's talking to his family. And then as he talked with them, there was a champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according the same words and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him and they were dreadfully afraid. Verse 26, then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what should be done for the man who kills this Philistine? Isn't that interesting? Everybody else is like, oh, here he comes again. We're going to go hide. David's like, oh, really? What happens to the one who kills him? This is awesome. 
Yep. Uh, who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Who is this guy that he thinks he can badmouth the armies of the living God? Well, everybody else has been listening for 40 days and hearing him say, you're the armies of Saul. David's like, no, no, we're not. We are the armies of the living God. How dare you bring this accusation against God's kids? How dare you defy God? How dare you think that you can stand there and taunt? Somebody get me something to kill him with. I'm telling you what, there was a roar that rose up in David. Amen? Everybody else is like, let's go hide. He's back again today. We're, gonna, we're just going to sit here and starve to four, day 40. Somebody bring us a sandwich. He's at it again. Somebody make us feel better because somebody sent us help from home. David's like, come on. Who do you think you are? Some of us have had some things swirling in our lives, some attacks coming, some things that have been launched about uh, against us, against our marriage, against our family, against our children. And we have to stand up and say, who do you think you are, devil? I am a child of the living God. Get your hands off. It's about time that the roar, we can sit there and go, somebody send a sandwich. This is really hard. Or we can roar. It's time to roar. It's time for something else to happen. So David says this, and how dare you defy the armies of the living God? Verse 29, after people go, well, you're just, you're just, trying, to, you're just trying to be a big man. Like, I know who you are. His brothers actually accuse him and say, who do you think you are? Like coming in here, you're just trying to get famous, whatever. Verse 29, David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Is there not a reason that we should get a little upset? Let me tell you right now, the body of Christ that is, is uh, being lulled into a place of slumber once again will lose its nation. God has called us to more. And there are things that are happening on a kingdom timetable that absolutely need to happen, but there is also supposed to be a move of God that happens simultaneously. The darkness is advancing, but the light and the, the move of God even more so. There should be a sound that's coming out of the church that is declaring that Jesus is Lord. It's not about politics. It's not about the stuff of the... It's about declaring that Jesus is Lord. There's a sound that needs to come. So verse 32, then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine and fight with him. You're a youth and he's a man of war from his youth. He, you can't do it. Honestly, it's just the way things are. You're not very old. You don't know that you're a failure yet. But let me tell you, you know, he's been there a long time and there are more seasoned warriors than you who are not going out there. So you need to understand, know your place. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But David said to Saul, verse 34, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and I struck it and killed it. 
Your servant has killed both a lion and a bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing that he has defied the armies of the living God. He said, I've got a muscle memory for this one, and I have seen something that you don't know. I might look small to you, I might look weak to you, I might look frail to you, but there's some stuff about me that you don't know, and that stuff is that I am a child of the living God, and I've experienced his goodness, I've experienced his power, I've experienced his might, and I am not afraid. It says in verse 37, moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me, see, he knows it wasn't him. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. Hmm. Verse 40, then he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. He put them in a shepherd's bag, in a pouch which he had, and a sling was in his hand, and he drew near the Philistine. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David, and the man bore the shield, went before him. And when the Philistine looked and he saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you came to me with sticks? And the Philistines cursed David by his gods. It's a spiritual battle with a physical manifestation. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Roar. Come on. Birds are going to eat you today. See, the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That's a pretty scary statement. Can you imagine David gets up close and he's like, hi, sir. Um, who do you think you are? You know, like up close. And this guy starts saying to him, taunting him. And then verse 45, then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but... I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day, I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. And all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Roar! Come on! There is something that is supplied for us that God has given us, that the word tells us you are victorious. The word tells us that fear is no match for the love of God. The word tells us that death has lost its victory, that it's lost its sting. The word tells us that we are more than conquerors. The word tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. The word tells us that even when things are bad, when there's hard things happening, there's struggles on every side, something eternal is happening on the inside. Go ahead and work it out in me. There is a roar in the people of God that needs to be released. We need to recognize that there has been a constant, you know, 40 days Goliath did this, wearing them down with his noise. It's about time we stand up and say, shut up, devil, enough, enough. I am going to drown you out with the roar of heaven. I am going to drown you out with my praise. I'm going to drown you out with the word of God. I'm going to drown you out with prayer, but I am done listening to this noise. 
We need to gather our sticks and our stones. And we select that stone. Lord, what's the weapon today? Which one of these stones would you like to use today, God? And I believe the roar sounded a whole lot like whoom, 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 whoom. And that breathing, sneezing dragon on the other side was no match for the roar of heaven that came out of that sling. This is what God's calling us to. Ha. <laughs> huh. Verse 49, then David put his hand in his bag and he took out a stone and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank quickly and he fell on his face to the earth. And David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in David's hand. Therefore, David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and killed him and cut off his head with it. And the Philistines saw their champion was dead and they fled. I'm telling you, it is time. This is the relationship. David had no problem saying, how dare you defy the armies of the living God because he knew the living God. The final thing, and this is just very brief because a lot of us wonder, well, how do I do this? What, is this? what does this warfare look like? The, the reality is there is a fight on the inside of most of us right now. And it's, it's wanting to come, you, you feel it when you're in, you know, conversation with people. You might feel it when you're driving and a little bit of road rage pops up or, you know, the despair. There's just some stuff. Everybody feels like they're on a trigger. I, I believe for the people of God that, that uh, push on the inside, it's meant to be directed. It's not something that you can bottle up. It's not something that we push down and go, well, I shouldn't feel that way. I shouldn't feel. No, if you're angry about injustice, if you're upset about the abuses that are going on, if there is a cry on the inside of you to see people restored and healed, you, to see something break through, then let that sound come out. It's got to go somewhere. It shouldn't come out in a natural way. It's meant to come out in the spiritual. So the third thing is the victory is spiritual with natural benefits. That's just the reality of it. And so, you know, the same thing, we, Wayne and I have been working on our health, trying to be a little bit more decent about that. We did a lot of studying, you know, before we moved forward on this. And here's, here's the thing. It always comes down to what you eat, what you do, and calories in and calories out. And as much as we would love a pill that would just make everything go away, it doesn't really exist long term. There's just some basics of how human bodies work that if we're going to take care of ourselves and we're going to steward well, we need to be careful about what we take into our bodies. We need to be, you know, exercise. We need to be helpful. We need to just take care and, and be good stewards of what God's given us. Spiritually speaking, people are like, yes, give me an anointing to roar. Okay, so three key elements of the roar. A, prayer and intercession. B, declaring and enforcing the word. C, praise and worship. These three key elements 
are the core of everything. If we want to experience God, we live out of relationship in these basic things. And as much as we would all love there to just be some download from heaven that changes everything, we have to decide, God, I feel this roar on the inside of me and I need to point it somewhere. I am going to come into prayer. I am going to intercede. I am going to engage you. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to talk to you. You're my father. You're coming to meet with me. You want to meet with me. I'm going to talk to you about it instead of everybody else. I'm coming and doing something with what I feel on the inside. Literally, it might come out in just a cry or a groan for a little while. That's okay. Go with that. But spend some time talking to him. This is the basic thing that he calls us to. Psalms 34, 15 and 17 says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and he delivers them out of all their troubles. He hears it and he delivers. But if we don't cry out to him, we just cry out to everybody else. Nothing happens. We take what is going on inside and we funnel it and we roar in the right direction. We shake heaven with the sound of what's going on in our hearts. That's the call. That's the basic stuff. When we say, I don't really like prayer, we just don't get it. Try anyway. Spend time with him. You can, you can pray, you know, on, on, in your truck. You can pray in your house. You can pray walking. You can pray standing up, sitting down on your face. You can pray in lots of words and you can pray in a cry. You can pray in King James or you can pray in normal language. You know what? Just pray. Just talk to God. Just intercede. Just care enough about what's going on around you that you're willing to lend your voice to the sound of heaven. Because here's the reality. We pray our heart, but we also pray the word. And so declaring and enforcing the word. 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. The word reproof means it's evidence or proof. It means that the word of God, when I come into prayer and I begin to start engaging God and I, I'm in the word, I start giving proof that this is what is real. This is what is true. This is what I'm standing on. And I talk to God about it and then I start declaring it over my house. I declare it over my marriage. I declare it over my kids. I declare it over my neighborhood. I circle city hall if I have to and declare it there. I declare it over my nation. I declare the word of God because it's useful for prayer proof and evidence that this is what God has to say about the situation. And I'm listening to his voice instead. The, the other word there is it's for correction. And the word correction there means to straighten up again. Wow. The word of God is helpful to help us straighten up again. That this bowed low, I, I don't know how much more of this I can take. Well, the word of God is going to straighten you back up again. And you are going to stand there and you are going to declare the word and the word is going to do something. How do I know? Isaiah 55, 11. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. When I return the word of God back to him and I declare it, it does not return void, but it accomplishes something. The word of God, this is not just to make me feel better. It changes things. It changes atmospheres. 
It changes situations. It causes me to go, when I'm in the word and I find out this is what is normal in God's eyes. This is what is right according to his design. Everything else needs to bow. And I get aggressive and I declare the word of God. The final thing there is praise and worship, which happens to be one of my faves. And so the concept of praise and worship, worship comes from the heart. Worship is a response to the love that you have for him, the love that he offers. But praise is very often a choice. And it is this, I will praise in the middle of my enemies. It's exactly what we sang this morning. And prayer begins to shake things. We know that the word tells us that the lion of the tribe of Judah is Jesus. And Judah means praise. So Jesus is the lion of the tribe of praise. It means when we praise, we are standing there and we roar. There is a sound from the lion of the tribe of Judah that shuts the mouth of the lion who's been nattering at you. Imagine, imagine that skanky old lion has been standing there just hoofing at you for 40 days. It is about time to pin one through his eyes and move on. Praise, roar, intercede, do what is necessary to release the sound of heaven over your circumstances, over your situation. Psalm 43, 5, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? You want to know something interesting? The word disquieted there means to roar. Why are you roaring within me? I got a little something going on, right? That's what David's saying. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you roaring within me? Hoping God, I will praise him. I shall yet praise him to the help of my countenance and my God. He is, I'm going to, I can feel something roaring on the inside of me. Psalmist is saying, I can feel something roaring on me on the inside. Why are you, why are you doing that? Why do I feel like this? Oh, wait a minute. I'm going to praise. I am going to praise. Come on. This is, this is the call that God's placed upon us. I'm going to have the worship team come final Scripture for us to focus on here. <laughs> Acts 2, 1 and 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, and they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven. And the word literally is, suddenly there came a roar from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind. The word tells us that the Holy Spirit comes, and he empowers us, that he, he gives us what we need. He, there's, a, there's a groan, a sound, a roar even that comes out of the Holy Spirit's release in us. When we don't have words, we can pray in the Spirit. We can sing in the Spirit. We can allow the Holy Spirit to do what he needs to do. But there's a roar from heaven that we need to engage. This morning, I want you to know that you are not alone. In whatever it is you're facing, I know that there are some that are grieving today. A lot, actually. I know that there are some that are scared. And some of the situations of your life right now seem quite ominous. Some are tired. This has just been a long go. Standing in faith for a lot of stuff. And this... This today, I don't believe the Lord is saying do better. He's saying, I am about to restore the roar. We 
do our part, we're willing to engage. We put ourselves in position. We choose to, to spend some time in the Word. We choose to let it wash our minds. We choose to think what He's telling us to think. We choose to spend time in the relationship and actually meditate on the goodness of God. And, and think about the times He's done it before. Like David, I, I killed a lion and I killed a bear. Who does this guy think he is? We choose to praise. We choose to sing with tears running down our faces if it has to happen. But we engage. And then we remember that they were in one accord in one place and a roar from heaven started. And the Holy Spirit came upon them and in one day, thousands were added to their numbers. See, a roar can release a miracle. Let's stand this morning. God, this morning as we stand in your presence, we thank you for your word. We thank you for layer after layer after layer of freedom that's presented to us, God. We thank you for the eternal hope that you offer us. We thank you for reminding us again, this life is just temporary. For some, it's a very very short time for some it's longer but even for the longest it's still just a speck in the light of eternity and so God today we we thank you for helping us reposition our eyes to the eternal we thank you that we can celebrate in the midst of the difficulties we can move forward in the midst of the pressure and we can declare the victory when it feels very scary all around us. But Lord, today we thank you that you've invited us to partake of the victory that you paid for. That you lead us in triumph. That you make us more than conquerors. Lord, we thank you today that if you are for us, who can be against us? Lord, we thank you that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And so we thank you that every circumstance that comes contrary to your will and your word for our lives, it can be silenced. Lord, today I thank you for awakening the roar in your people. The sound from heaven, God, that resonates on the inside of us. Lord, we ask your forgiveness for any time we've taken what is meant to be a spirit roar and we've turned it outward to people around us, to circumstances around us. Lord, any places we may have caused harm even, we ask your forgiveness. And Lord, we ask today that you would help us to move out of the relationship that we have with you into that place of exercising the roar of heaven 
releasing praise, releasing worship, releasing prayer, releasing declarations and proclamations from heaven. God, I thank you for stirring us up with the sound of heaven, God, that changes things. And Lord, for every roaring lion in our lives, we say, shut up in Jesus' name. No more, no more. We tune our ears to your voice, God. And we choose to change the soundtrack in our homes, the soundtrack in our conversations, the soundtrack in our vehicles, God. We choose to declare what you declare, to sing what you you uh, release, God, to pray what you put on our hearts to pray. Lord, to be in alignment with you. We thank you for the shift and we thank you for the release of the roar. And we give you the praise today, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at Victory Church GP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.victorygp.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach, teach, mobilize.